What's up, everybody? It's IBS Jesus coming at you guys with uh, week three of the full count, our baseball show for IBN. Um, I am the host, and my co-host is Brian Malone. He's going to be coming on any minute now. I think he's just getting off work. Uh, we got a late night show tonight, just uh, how the schedule ran. Um, things we're going to cover in this episode. We're going to talk about two of the highest teams in baseball um, right now, which would be the New York Mets and the Washington Nationals, who ironically are in the same division. Uh, we're talking about some of the old pitchers who have somehow reinvented themselves to a certain degree. Uh, talk about the weekend that the Cubs had. Um, cover a couple things on instant replay and shifts in MLB. And then uh, give you a couple series to watch next week. I won't keep you long tonight. Um, usually the shows run about 45 minutes to an hour. But um, tonight I think we're going to try to cut it um, around 40 minutes. Uh, just because it's late. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out any of the action from this past week, uh, Yasiel Puig has made a human highlight reel from catches uh, to bloopers to uh, his amazing throw from about 320, 350. Um, he threw out Trevor Story running second to third on a play that looked like he kind of botched it, but that throw is amazing. If you haven't had a chance to catch it, uh, by all means, go to YouTube and catch it. Um, it's worth watching over and over again. Uh, Jonas Cespedes had a great throw as well um, in the Braves-Mets series. He threw out Nick Markakis at home. And then trying to think, there any other highlights? I mean, there's so many um, going on right now. And uh, one, a big part of that, I think, is the uh, youth movement in uh, Major League Baseball. Guys are younger. Uh, so you're getting more hustle out of them, and then they're just better athletes now overall, uh, which is something I've been trying to push in the group. And uh, just in general, when I talk to people about baseball, uh, we just we just have better athletes now. It's just there's no other way around it. I think the um, the Phillies had a couple highlights of uh, defense, and then you you always got the usual suspects out there, uh, the guys from the Royals, uh, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, uh, just. Great defense that plays all around. So definitely, if you have a chance to uh, look at some of the MLB countdowns, uh, plays of the week, or web gems on ESPN, by all means, check them out. Let's see, we got Malone here. Brian, you there? Yep, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How you been? Good, good. All right, so um, I know I gave you a, um, a layout earlier, but I, I changed a couple things to kind of shorten it just a little bit. I don't want to keep you too long because I know it's late. Um, one of the hottest teams running in baseball right now, I think, are the New York Mets, who uh, finished 6-1 six and, six and in their last seven games. I did some, some uh, research, just a little broad research on their team right now, and they're just, they're just smacking the ball around. Uh, as Drupal Cabrera was 11 for 29 last week, four of his uh, five RBIs this month came in the past week. Uh, you got my man uh, Michael Corforno. Uh, he was eight for 25 with six RBIs last week. Jonas Cespedes had 10 hits. Neil Walker had 10 hits. They both had four home runs apiece. But uh, Jonas had 11 RBIs in his last seven games. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, New York Mets in this the surge of offense that came. 
I mean, this is the same kind of surge you saw, you know, when they got hot and they got rolling last year. Uh, they, they, you know, when they, when Cespedes is rolling, it, it really helps all these other guys out. And, and the Mets, just, you know, they don't have a lot of guys who, who have high strikeout rates, you know, and when, and when a pitcher has to pitch around the guy in the middle of your lineup, you know, and, and the guys around him don't strike out, you know, it, it, theoretically, logically, you should be able to put some runs up, you know. Um, it doesn't always work that way, but that that seems to be the, the formula that the Mets have, are running with, and it's working for them. Yeah, um, the manager um, made a great move, Collins. He uh, he moved Conforno to the to the three spot, and um, I mean, you see the production. He's got six RBIs. He had, he had a fairly decent week of hitting, um, but like you said, as as far as his offense goes, man, when Jonas is on, and then you look at Neil Walker, his his ten hit week. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to get that type of production out of him all the time, um, but when you've got those two moving, you can you can overlook the fact that Lucas Duda still can't hit anything. Um, I, I know David Wright had a couple clutch hits, and uh, he's still putting the ball in play uh, to the best of his ability. But um, like you said, once they get hot, man, it's it's a problem. Do you feel like uh, Conforno is one of the more overlooked young players in uh, Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean definitely. You know, when you when you look at the fact that there are so many young guys in baseball, you know, I mean the the best two players in the game are under twenty five years old right now. You know, there's a lot of young guys, you know, underlooked and then you got the guy Story this year, you know, who is just putting up ridiculous numbers coming out. You know, there are a lot of young guys getting overlooked. I mean that, I think that, you know, the youth movement thing that you always talk about is real in baseball right now. There's so many good young talented players you know, coming up through the systems. Because uh, I think teams realize, you know, if if you can't really go out and just build an entire team through free agency, this is the way you have to do it if you want to be consistent as a small market team. Yeah, and we, we always talk about football being a copycat. Um, and um, I think in, in the sports world, everybody tries to copy the winning formula of, of a successful team. And if you look at the last – we can go back the last 10 years, um, that free agency building model just hasn't worked out for a lot of teams. But when you have guys like um, the Giants, like I always talk about it um, when I'm talking to people, they've got three guys that I personally watch grow up through the double-A system here in Richmond were on their last World Series team. And we know about the Royals. Their whole their whole squad, for the most part, was built through their farm system. The Cardinals are another team that – theoretically builds through their farm system, and these have been some of the more successful uh, um, professional teams in baseball for the last decade. So I think, like you said, you know, guys are realizing that, that, you know, maybe this spin, spin, spin isn't how it's going to work uh, anymore. I think guys are getting their their foundation from the farm system and then building around that foundation. Because uh, Jonas, yeah. Jonas isn't part of the Mets organization, but – He's the type of player that was a perfect plug uh, for that team last year, and he remains that perfect plug for that team because they've got their guys from their farm system and their staff and uh, from their farm system um, in their um, lineup or guys who are regulars in their lineup, but they just needed that one extra bat. Or, you know, you, you see that nowadays guys are going in, picking that one extra arm, one extra bat that they can fill in to uh, complete the winning formula. Well, I mean, even like like Kansas City, I mean, you know, they, they, they went out. Wade Davis wasn't a product of their system, you know. Wade Davis was a, was a fifth starter for the, Tampa Bay, for the Tampa Bay Rays, 
and and they brought him in and, and converted him into the best you know the best closer in the game. So you got to give you know that's how teams that's how the teams win it do it. You know they go out and they make the the move that kind of flies under the radar. Not that Jonas Sessions wasn't you know a pretty decent name you know in 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 free agency that year, or, or in the, and then you know at the trade deadline people were definitely talking about him, but. You know, Jonas this is not, you know, somebody that's going to get a two, three hundred million dollar deal, even though he just didn't really get paid. Uh, but, but you know, thinking back last year when they when the Mets picked him up, he wasn't somebody that you would have thought would get that kind of a deal. And, and those are always the deals that really kind of end up going under the radar and, and helping teams win titles. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm glad they made a uh, priority to keep him. He's just a big part of that uh, that lineup and just that team defensively. Did you catch his uh, throw? Um, in the Braves game against Nick Markakis. Yeah, man, all those all those Cuban guys got arms, and it's just uh, yeah, man. It, 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 I it's silly, man. I, I, I don't know what they got in the water down there, but uh, all, all those guys. I mean, Cespedes has done that so many times in his career. I, I I don't know why people even try and test him. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. Especially Nick Markakis, man, not that fast. <laughs> but um, I guess some people just you just got to find out for yourself the hard way. Uh, but switching to their uh, their pitching staff, obviously the the story of that pitching staff is uh, Thor. Um, Singard is is two and zero in his last in the last seven days. He's got a point nine ERA. Uh, he's thrown about twenty innings and he's got. Let me see. I can't even read my handwriting. I think he's given up. It says oh five hits, five hits, or is that fifteen? Sorry, fifteen hits. In the last twenty innings, um, with Harvey struggling, uh, Degrom came back today, and then you got Matt, who's still kind of finding his way. How important is uh, Noah Syndergaard um, or Syndergaard for this uh, rotation in New York? I mean, if if you know Jake Arrieta weren't weren't on one of the best streaks we've seen a pitcher go on in the last decade, uh, I, I think a lot of more people will be talking about Syndergaard. You know, he's maybe being the best pitcher in the league to start the year off. Uh, I mean, he's going to five hits and, and what three starts in the last or the last yeah. two starts. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just those are those are impressive, impressive numbers. Like I said, I, I you know I think if Arietta wasn't out here dropping no hitters left and right uh, and just you know could give up seven runs in the last what is it ninety innings for Arietta or something like that, something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, if Aria wasn't doing what he's doing, I think a lot more people would be noticing Syndergaard. But it's hard to to notice anybody else but Arietta. Yeah, and and I feel like um, I feel like with the the arms that they have in New York, one of these guys is gonna have to go to the bullpen. Um, I think they've still got Wheeler uh, set to come back sometime this year. I don't know if they're gonna work him in the bullpen. I I kind of doubt it, but I feel like Matt. Matt has a chance, I feel like, to to crack the rotation just because he's a lefty, um, and it would be good to to you know have that extra lefty in that lineup. But um, have you had a chance to catch uh, Matt Harvey? His, I don't want to say he's he's struggling. Um, the ERA is at four, but it's it just seems like uh, you know how sometimes when pitchers make mistakes, they tend to get away with it because of the movement in their pitches or. They just—it's just something that nobody expected. It seems like this year, though, the one fastball that missed the spot or the the curveball that didn't break enough, um, Harvey's having to pay for that mistake. Um, would you be a little concerned? Not necessarily panic mode, but has it kind of gotten your attention that he's got 
you know, a, a 4.6 ERA or something like that uh, in the last, you know, two starts? Oh, I mean, yes and no. Um, yes, just for the simple fact that, you know, I mean, last year you kind of chalk last up as a wash, but also at the same time, you know, you look at it as, hey, he was, he was incredibly inconsistent last year. Uh, and I think, you know, he, he came out <clears throat> early this year and he's done pretty much the same thing. Like you said, when he's, he misses, people are making him pay for it. I, I think it has to do with a combination of, of guys seeing, you know, Matt Harvey more. Um, you know, he's been around for a little while now. People have gotten tape on him. People, people have studied some of his pitches. Uh, and, and, you know, the greats adjust. I mean, maybe this is some time where, where Matt Harvey just needs to go back and, and make some adjustments to his game. Maybe maybe he's tipping pitches. You know, he doesn't even realize he's tipping pitches. I haven't had a chance to watch him this year uh, and see, you know, you see for myself, you know what I mean, what's, what's wrong. But that's something that I can think of. You know, maybe Matt Harvey just needs to go back and make some adjustments for himself. Obviously, the stuff is still there. You know what I mean? The velocity is still there. The movement's still there. Um you know, he just I, I think this is a situation where Matt Harvey kinda has to go make some adjustments for himself. Yeah, I haven't I haven't had a chance to catch him like I wanted to either. I've seen like maybe like one or two innings. Um for some reason I'm not a homer, but I always catch Syndergaard. I'm a real big Matt fan. <laughs> I always seem to catch him as well. And I've seen uh one and a half of the Grom starts. But um the velocity was down for the Grom. I don't think that's a problem because his control is is pinpoint still, and they don't seem too concerned with that. But um, I just wonder if if we're gonna start hearing some um, some talk of maybe Harvey being moved uh, in the rotation, not out of the rotation, but you know how guys like Lariano and these guys when they have the struggle, they get they get a mystery illness or something, they miss a start and they bring them back in um, later on. So um, I think I'll keep an eye on that and uh, make sure we don't miss anything on him. I think that'll be a, a storyline with the Mets um, as they continue to get more attention um, as the bats are going. Uh, right now, Jonas Cespedes is uh, out with uh, some kind of knee, knee contusion or bruise. Um, he didn't play today. I don't think he played uh, yesterday a full game either. So I'll keep an eye on that as well. Um It'll be interesting to see how they do if he can't play um, again. I think they won today, which they're playing the Braves. So I know that's my team, but let's be honest, they're not that good. Um, But they've got the Reds and Giants uh, in this next week. So we'll see how they do if uh, he can't continue. Um, Switching over to the next hottest team, ironically, is also in their division, the Washington Nationals. Uh, The Washington Nationals uh, had – had a pretty good week, man. Um, Daniel Murphy is, to me, the best bat of this week. I know a lot of people love Bryce Harper, but we're just talking week to week. Uh, Daniel Murphy was 11 for 31. Uh, he only had one RBI, and I'm pretty sure he bats cleanup. So I'm not sure how that's possible for somebody to hit like that uh, and only have one RBI. But then when you look closer, um, they're not getting much much uh, production from Rendon, who bats in the two spot, Michael Taylor, who bats uh, leadoff. And then when you get to their three spot, Bryce Harper, uh, he was 6 for 23 this last week with uh, three home runs and eight RBIs. Now, I'm not sure if they updated that for today's game where he hit a a pinch hit home run, but um, I was surprised to see that he's only had six hits this week. I just feel like every time I hear his name, it's a highlight of him hitting the ball out. I thought he did a little bit better. 
But the one thing that stood out to me with the Nationals this week is even though their batting averages are low, uh, they are hitting the ball with runners in scoring position, whether it be home run or a clutch single or double. They're they're getting guys across the plate. Um, I highlighted that their pitching was um, the real big play of the week, but we'll get to that uh, later. What do you think? What are your thoughts on the Nationals lineup right now? Um, have you had a chance to, I mean, to kind of look over I, anything? I, I have. I've definitely had a chance. Living here in D.C., I've definitely had a chance to, to check the Nats out a little bit. Um, this, is the same, this is the same Nationals team that, that I think, you know, people expected to see last year. We saw for parts of last year. Uh, they're healthy. You know, they're, they're, they're playing as good as they can play. I mean, you get 15 strikeouts out of Tanner Rourke. Uh, the other day, you know, Joe Ross played pitched well today. Uh, they, they, they're you know they're winning games in 16 innings. They're they're they're, you know, they're doing like you said the clutch hit after clutch hit. It seems like, uh, but then again, you know, this is a lot of the same guys from last year's team that was very inconsistent. You know, so this is just something I like the way they're playing right now. But with with as in any team in the league, I mean, who's to say that they're going to be playing this way in June? You know, but they're definitely they're definitely one of the hottest teams right now. Uh, Bryce Harper is, is by far the MVP. He's on he's on pace for some ridiculous stats uh, this year. Uh, and I guess Strasburg's pitched well. You know you're going to get great starts out of Scherzer. Um, Tanner Work has a 15 strikeouts. You know, but Tanner Work's inconsistent. Joe Ross is inconsistent. Um, that's just who the Nationals are. They're 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 an extremely talented team, and when they're on, they're as good as anybody. But they're so inconsistent, and they tend to to get complacent at times. Yeah, that's my concern um, as well. Um, I I made a note. They they have a American League type bill right now in regards to their production. They don't have high averages, but they're they're scoring runs. And uh, my only issue with that is if you got a guy like uh, Murphy, he's your cleanup, and he had 11 hits in those in this last week, but he only had one RBI. And that that's kind of concerning to me because that means guys in front of him are not getting on base enough. And um, I'm a little worried that that can come back and bite him in the butt, not necessarily this week, but as the season goes on, if that trend continues, if if that's going to be, you know, what this Nationals team is, then they might have the same issue that the Houston Astros have where games that they don't hit home runs, they only score about two, maybe three runs if they're lucky. But games that they do hit home runs, you're going to get the sevens, the eights. And in the National League, if you're scoring about – five to seven runs a game, that's dangerous. That's pretty much an automatic win for most games, especially in our division uh, where we've got teams like the Phillies and the Marlins and the Braves who are not known to put up runs like that. Um, you're going to you're gonna have uh, a lot more wins than you will losses if you, if you hit like that. Uh, the defense used to be a concern for the Nationals. It doesn't seem to be an issue uh, this year. As far as the untimely errors, although I don't think there's ever a such thing as a timely error, it just doesn't seem that they're having to pay. Like when Ian Desmond last year had about well, yeah, uh, that guy's 13 games. That guy's streak. in Texas now. Yeah, yeah, that he's guy's, in left they, field. Yeah, they, they, so uh, they don't have the Nationals. I mean, when they don't have that guy out there, you know, you're not going to see a lot of Nats. They weren't making a lot of bad plays besides him last year. That's really the thing. I mean, yeah. you, you know, they you don't see a lot. It was just Zimmerman seemed. I mean, uh, Desmond seemed to make the the you know bad play almost every single time they needed him to make a good one last yeah. year. You know, well, he would make the error in the in the eighth and ninth inning when they when the game was on the line. 
and, and you know, just an easy routine ground ball to, to shortstop, and Desmond would somehow botch it, you know. And, and so he's gone. And, and like you said, I mean, the team – Daniel Murphy is a, is a good defender, you know, decent defender. Uh, they've got they've got good guys who are who are pretty good on defense. You, you know, they, I think they picked up Brendan Ryan, who's a defensive specialist. Uh, he can't really hit the ball, but you can plug him in there, and he's going to play. You know, about as good of a defense as, as you can get it. You know, he can play utility, he can play third, short, second. So they definitely went out and made some moves to improve their defense. Uh, I think at this point in their careers, you know, Michael Taylor is a better defensive center fielder than Denard Spann. Uh, so they definitely went out and made some moves to improve their defense this year. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm a little, little hesitant to, to crown them as as you know this is what we're gonna see. I I feel like with the uh, with the Mets, I think I know their full potential. With the Nationals, I still don't know their full potential because if Anthony Rendon returns to his old form before his uh, injury uh, season that he had last year. I think with uh, the way Murphy's hitting the ball, the way Harper's putting the ball in play, that could that could power that lineup. Um, but I I don't see Worth or, or Zimmerman getting any better. They're just old, man. Like they just they look old in the field. They look old at the plate. And um, I don't know if they have if they have anything you know to back that up. So as it's really on Murphy and, and Harper. And right now Harper really does look like he's good enough to at least <laughs> get him through the division. I don't know, you know, postseason is a totally different scenario, and then the season's real long. But as of right now, I mean, Bryce is the man, especially in the National League. So uh, that's something to keep I mean, an before eye on. The, you know, before the season, I, I, I actually put money on the Nationals not making the playoffs. So it looks like a silly, silly bet right now. But, you know, looking oh, yeah, at it definitely. on paper before the season, I mean, this is the thing we always talked about, though. You know, you're talking about it now. It, it down, comes down to, to how Daniel Murphy and Bryce Harper play. Uh, you know, preseason, looking at it, there were five teams in the National League that were on paper better than the Nationals. You know, you, I mean, the Pirates are really struggling right now. Um, mm-hmm. but, but before the season, on paper, you, you definitely would have said, hey, this team is, is, is as good or if not better than Washington. Um, you know, you look at Chicago, St. Louis. Uh, the Mets were in the World Series last year. Then you've got the Dodgers and you've got the, uh, the Giants out in the West. Uh, but like I said, the Nationals can play like this for 162 games. Or even play like this for 125 games, they're they're almost guaranteed to make the playoffs because this is the this is the this is the formula they need to win. It's just are they you know are they going to be able to keep it up consistently? Yeah, my concern my concern is I just feel like the Nationals don't have the depth that um, even the Mets seem to have in in some instances in their rotation uh, and also from their bench. I know we know the Cubs are a deep team. Um, the Pirates, when they get uh, Kong back, they're going to have a little bit more depth. The Dodgers seem to have some depth. Uh, the Giants have plenty of depth. So these are teams that they're going to, you know, potentially be I mean, the, battling depth is, for postseason depth run. Is, I was gonna say, depth is something we've been talking about for, for a long time. I mean, you know, that was the reason that they didn't make the playoffs last year is because they didn't have any depth when Rendon got hurt and Zimmerman missed games and Worth was missing games and – they didn't have guys that could plug in. I mean, you had guys like Clint Robinson that they were plugging in that were hitting 200 and striking out once every other, once every fourth at bat. You know, they just don't have the bench depth of guys you can plug in and, and who can put up average level production for them. They don't, they don't have them. Yeah, and and I think that's that's the key. Um, hopefully, they make some moves though at the uh, trade deadline this year. 
Um, I feel like that's one of the teams that should be active um, in trying to find a plug-and-play type guy, even if it's like a, a poor man's Ben Zobris. Like, they could use somebody like that because um, I don't think Zimmerman is going to make it through the whole season just because he's just old, man. And uh, Worth is the same way. He's just old, and they're having uh, problems producing early now. So um, it's just, just the little things, you know, that I'm looking ahead, you know. But some fans don't. They live in the moment. But uh, either way, switching to pitching, uh, Gio Gonzalez had a pretty good week. Uh, he had a 1.42 ERA in his last two starts, I think, in 20 strikeouts. Strasburg was a 2.17 ERA with 31 strikeouts. And then Tanner Roark uh, probably was their pitcher of the week. Uh, his game against the Twins, I think he had 15 strikeouts. And uh, he only had 24. That that 15 is added to this 24, but he's got 24 in the year. But um, I think he had one of, I mean, you could say the game of his life. From from what I've seen from Tanner Roark, uh, I thought it was the game of his life. Um, we've got Scherzer, who's kind of struggling a little bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it uh, a a true like panic mode struggle. But my concern when they signed into the long contract. Uh, from the jump was that Max Scherzer had a lot of wear and tear on his arm. He had a lot of innings in Detroit because they didn't have a bullpen for most of his career there. He had a lot of innings on his arm. When he comes to Washington, they pretty much did the same thing to him. They pitched pitched him to death. Um, can you see him having a CC-type decline um, because his arm has just had so much wear and tear over the last five years? His innings count. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to look it up, but his innings count has got to be sky high. I mean, it's it's the same type of decline you see for all these power pitchers. Um, you know, it, it all really depends on if he learns to pitch without velocity. You know, because it happens to everybody. Uh, and if your control is pinpoint, you know, your velocity doesn't really matter. I mean, you look at a guy like Greg Maddox. He was touching ninety, ninety-one his whole career, but it didn't matter because he put the ball exactly where it needed to be. And so that's the thing about Scherzer, you know, if he loses a little bit of movement or, you know, he loses some velocity, is he going to make the adjustment to, to, to you know, learn how to pitch without that velocity? Uh, that's something that CC hasn't done. You know, you see that from a lot of power pitchers. They just they don't have the ability to gain that control, you know, that late in their careers. Uh, as their skills start to fade away, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get better at something as, as the rest of your skills are starting to fade. Uh I think Scherzer will be a decent pitcher for at least two or three more years. Uh, I think he has a few more in him. Um, but at the same time, I, I didn't see that, that harsh of a decline for CC Sabathia either. Uh, you know, if, if Scherzer shows up to spring training next year and he's barely touching 91, 92, uh, you know, then then you're looking at a guy who's, who turns into a pretty average pitcher. Uh, and then yeah. that's a scary proposition. That's a scary proposition for the Nationals who are paying this guy $200 million. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was a good signing at the time either. Um, and I know, like a lot of people, don't think ahead, but I'm always thinking ahead. I, I'm just a little concerned with how he's starting. You know, I've never seen him start this this poorly before, and um, some of it just seems the way the guys are are hitting him. The contact seems to be a lot more solid than what it used to be, and it reminds me a little bit of um, AJ Burnett when he declined. It was it was sudden, and it was one of those things where it's like. The pitches, they velocity-wise, look the same, but clearly it's not moving as much, and they're not—they don't have as uh, 
like the spin on the ball isn't as tight because guys are, are putting the ball in play and putting it in play uh, solid. Like the Marlins smacked them around, man. Smacked them around pretty good. He he gave up a a home run to like I, I want to say it was uh, Dietrich, who's a, he's not a home run hitter, and it wasn't like one of those oh you know he just put a good swing on the ball like nah man like this guy literally bat flip cranked you, <laughs> and he's a he's an eight hitter uh, most of his career so um, I was just a little little concerned. Um, Nationals are a very top heavy team, so I think. It's one of those situations where they just have to hope, as as the fan base or just the team in general, they just have to hope that they stay healthy um, all the way through the year um, just to make a run. I know today they rest uh, Bryce Harper. I've never seen him voluntarily rest, so I'm assuming Dusty and those guys are um, already thinking ahead uh, to keep some of these uh, players healthy. Uh, but the Mets and Nationals both had great weeks, and it was worth noting because I think in the end, when we when we get into August September we're going to be in a situation where we're talking about the losing team um, in this division potentially being out of the postseason again and that all depends on how the NL Central plays out if the Cardinals Pirates and Cubs do battle like they did last year uh, you're going to need at least 90 wins to get into that uh, last wild card spot. Yeah, I mean that's what I was. That's that, that's why I kind of like I said I put a bet on the Nationals not to make the playoffs this year just for that reason right there. You know, you have three teams in the NL Central who had what top six records in the in the entire MLB last year. You know, three teams all yeah. in the same division. Uh, so like it's, like you said, when 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 you that's the case, and then you have the Dodgers and you have the Giants who are always a perennial World Series contender. Uh, you know, and the Dodgers have the the regular season. The greatest pitching, greatest pitcher in the regular season we've seen in in fifteen twenty years. I mean, is you know Clayton Kershaw is not the best in the postseason. Uh, he hasn't been the best in the postseason, but he play he pitches so well in the regular season that that the Dodgers are always a threat to make the playoffs as well. Uh, so definitely, you know, the Nationals have to keep this hot start up. I mean, it's not something where the Nationals can just kind of coast out and and say, oh, we're we're talented enough to you know to make the playoffs because they're not. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't think any team in the National League is in that top six, seven in the National League. You know, they're all going to have to fight for it all year long. Yeah, I agree. And um, it's going to make for good baseball down the stretch. As, as um, We'll stay tuned to both of these teams because this is going to be the battle um, in the NL East um, between the Mets and the uh, Nationals. I don't see the Marlins doing anything, um, which I'm real saddened about, but they just don't have enough. <laughs> And then um, they might make a run. You never know, but I don't have high hopes of that. And we all know yeah, the I mean, Phillies and Braves are going nowhere. The Marlins are kind of are kind of minimized in, in how well they can do because they just don't spend the free agent money. You know, they don't. Mm-hmm. They're not players and free agents, and they really could be. I mean, Miami is a destination. You see it in basketball. You see it in football. You know, guys want to go and play in Miami. Uh, and the weather is beautiful. You know, this Florida is a, a tax. I think it's an income tax-free state, or the, or the income tax is very low. The property tax is very low, so guys, you know, keep a lot more of their money than they would in, in states like California or New York. You know, places like that. But they just and they move the like, like we were ta- like we were talking about earlier. You know, they build their farm system and they have these great players come out of their farm system, but they just don't go and get the one plug-and-play guy that they need to really put everything all together. The Marlins just the last five to ten years just haven't been able to go out and, and make any move. You know, they have Jose Fernandez, who's, when he's when he's right, he's a top 
five ten pitcher in the league. Uh, you got Giancarlo Stanton, who's one of the better hitters in the game. Uh, D. Gordon's one of the better leadoff hitters in the game. They have talent. They're just missing one or two pieces, and and it seems like every year they're like, hey, the Marlins, you know, the Marlins going to do anything, and they never go out and get that one or two pieces that they really need. Yeah, and they 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 try they try to make a splash with um, Latos last year. And he didn't work out. And then they tried to make a splash with uh, Chin this year, and he didn't work out. But um, I was actually about to start talking about Matt Latos, which is funny to me. Because I believe Latos played, I think he started with the Marlins, and then he was one of those uh, trade deadline people, waiver wire pickups or something, um, later in the year for the Dodgers. And yep. he never really kind of did anything. But um, he, is, he is rolling right now. He's 4-0. With the .74 ERA, um, he, he doesn't have a lot of strikeouts. It's just 13, but his whip is .82, and his White Sox have one of the best point records. Six now. Indian, yeah, it's .6 now. After 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 today, his whip is .6. Okay, and they have one of the um, best records, and I think they're to me right now they're the biggest surprise in baseball. They're, they're 13 and six, and and he's a big reason why they're 13 and six. Um, J.A. Happ was another guy I was going to highlight. Obviously, he's not as impressive as Latos, but I think when when the Blue Jays picked up Happ, I don't think they expected him to be pitching as well as he's been pitching. Um, he's kind of anchored that uh, that whole rotation. As Stroman, he's still really young. He's finding his way. Uh, Sanchez is, is uh, in his first season as a starter. He's finding his way. Estrada, Hutchison, those guys are still uh, learning how to pitch with uh, – more pressure this year, and then Ari Dickey is is just Ari Dickey. He's just the knuckleballer that we always thought he was. But um, do you feel like um, a change of scenery really helps guys in baseball? Like you know, we we talk about that in in other sports like football and, and basketball. Is that really a, a key factor in in a player becoming a be- like you know a better player? Not necessarily a better player, but a more confident player. You know, they, they get out of a, they get out of a situation where they haven't been playing well. You know, say you know, a guy like Hap. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was in Pittsburgh last year. Uh, he was in Pittsburgh and well. uh, Seattle. Right, didn't pitch well at either spot last year. You know, but then you know he's able to come into Toronto, start fresh. Uh, you know, he comes into a place in Toronto where they the number one starter isn't set. You know what I mean? It's a competition between all five guys. Uh, it's not like they're like, hey, J.A. Happ, we just want you to come in and plug and play starts, you know. They're like, hey, we need you to come in here and, and you know, give us what you got. And I think I think it's boosted his confidence. You know, he, he's just pitching as well as we saw him pitch, what was that, his rookie year where he pitched really, really well. Uh, you know, it's something guys need sometimes. You know, they need a change of scenery not necessarily to become a better player, but just to get that confidence back, you know, to get out of a situation where they just weren't happy and, 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 you know, they weren't playing up to their potential. Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. And I was trying to, I was trying to think of how we could spin it into, are there any guys off the top of your head that need uh, a change of scenery? But the first person that popped in my head was Mike Trout. <laughs> I just I just don't know what they're doing with that guy up there, man, in uh in Los Angeles, and I I hope that he does not stay there in the situation that he's in right now, because um I mean him and Calhoun both should probably leave. They're they're very good talents, and they could do uh, great things for other teams, winning teams or teams who 
who need a plug-and-play guy or just need a star to follow behind. And I think Calhoun's well on his way to becoming a, a serviceable um, five-hitter or, or three-hitter for some team that needs it. But um, they're just wasting the way up there in, in Los Angeles. Um, switching over to the weekend, uh, I'm going to throw in a fun fact. The Chicago Cubs had 38 runs in four games against the Reds and a no-hitter by Jake Arrieta wow. this weekend, just in this weekend. 38 runs in four games and a no-hitter in that series. <laughs> so uh, if oh, anybody's yeah, wondering – when Chicago's on, they're, they're just when Chicago's on, man, it is it, they're scary. You know, you said you got you yeah. got the best pitcher in the game. He's throwing no hitters, and then like you said, you got a team that can put up almost forty runs in four games. It, it, I mean, that's that's unbeatable right there. You know, it, and like I said, it, it's it's incredibly hard to do that for one hundred sixty-two games, almost impossible. But just just to be able to throw that out there and say, hey, this is a team where we're four game stretch, they were able to do this. It's really impressive, and it definitely shows you. Hey, there are there are fun teams to watch in baseball. Uh, baseball is not a one nothing boring game. Uh, teams definitely put runs on the board. You know, people just have to kind of go out and look for it. Yeah, and and I think um, and I think that that speaks volumes to the depth of the Cubs. Like we were talking about before. I mean, Kyle Schwarber is he's not a key cog of their offense, but he was definitely. A great bat in that offense, and he's he's gone for the year, and you wouldn't even know. Uh, they they brought my boy Baez back um, from um, he was on the DL. He comes back in, he's hitting the ball. Addison Russell is, is bringing in clutch hits, and it's just these guys that you just don't expect. Like we know about Rizzo, we know about uh, Jason Hayward, we know about uh, what's his name? Is it Chris Bryant? I think was yeah. We know about Chris Bryant, which I don't know how I almost forgot him. And we, we know about those usual suspects. We know about Jake Arrieta, but Hamels is pitching his butt off. He's he's looking great out there, looking great. He's looking like the number two more than Lester, and Lester's not necessarily pitching bad. But if you got if you got a guy like Hamels whose whose ERA is under two right now, and he's towards the back end or middle of your rotation, you're dangerous. You're a dangerous yeah. team, and these starters are able to maintain uh, their their. Uh, pitching through at least seven, eight innings if needed. So they've got they've got flexibility. There's there's a series where they don't have to use their bullpen as much as they want. And then there's series where if they want to bring their bullpen in, they can do that too. Um so I think that like I said last year when they got Madden and they got um Epstein, I just thought it was the perfect combination to turn that organization around. And so far that's what we're seeing and I'm I'm excited to see both Chicago teams are playing real well because we know how passionate those fans are, and I think that'll make for great baseball uh, later on in in the year. If you got the White Sox, hopefully they can maintain. But if you got the White Sox balling, you got the Cubs balling. Um, it's going to make for great commercials and great uh, commentary. But I just wanted to put that yeah. out there, man. Thirty thirty eight runs in four games. I think it really also speaks to the fact that, that Joe Madden's the best manager in the game. Uh, it has been for a while. Uh, you know what he was able to do with those small market wouldn't spend a dime Tampa Bay team to keep them pretty much always competitive. Uh, I think they only had one year where they were really bad. Um, pretty much every year they were they were pushing the playoffs or even made the playoffs sometimes. You know, getting rid of their best players, they're trading away David Price. They're trading away you know pretty much every good pitcher they ever had. Uh, Garza, 
you know, Kazmir, uh, all these guys, all, all, except for Evan Longoria. You know, he's the only one that, that's that's been in Tampa Bay for a long time. And so what he's able to do there, then you, then you, like you said, you know, he goes to a place like Chicago with a guy like Theo Epstein, where they've got money to spend, and Theo's going to be aggressive in, in building a team. And, and you know, guys want to play for Joe Madden. I mean, that's the thing. Guys, guys like playing for Joe Madden. He he really does get the best out of his players. And and he's and he makes good moves too. At the same time, you know, in, in game adjustments, uh, he knows he knows when to let a guy go, when to when to pull his pitcher, and when to when to throw a pinch hitter. And yeah, like I said, this the way the Cubs have just risen from this young team that everybody thought you know had this potential to being two years later they're the World Series can you know number one World Series contender, uh, you know, according to Vegas right now and, and uh, a lot of other people. Uh, it really speaks to how good of a manager Joe Madden is. Yeah, and I've been I've been um, a big proponent of of managers who have a feel for the game. Um, that's one of my issues with Freddie Gonzalez. I swear he has no clue um, like how his players play. But uh, Madden's always been been the type of guy. Um, he's kind of a, a player's manager, and he he knows his teams. Um, I think Bochi is another good players manager, even though he doesn't seem as animated or as entertaining as, as uh, Madden is, um, he seems to understand and have a good feel for the game. And uh, even Joe Girardi. I think Joe Girardi uh, has kind of gotten to that point where I, I trust him uh, when he does his lineups and stuff. I feel like he knows the ebb and flow of his team. He has a good feel for the game. And um, I, I trust him wholeheartedly now. And then, of course, uh, Ned Yost, Clint Hurdle, the uh, Royals and Pirates uh, managers, I trust them. And then uh, the guy in, in St. Louis, I obviously trust him. They're always winning. So those are the managers. You know, if, if people want to see teams play uh, to the best of their ability, those managers right there seem to always maximize their players, and um, their teams are always worth watching in games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those are the, those are the teams that are consistently good. You know, that's the thing in, in all sports. You know, you hear a lot of people saying, oh, Coaching doesn't matter, or your teams need to fire a coach, or or this or that. Uh, I, I I I put it on on IBS earlier. You know, I, I'm all for the fact that players win games, but I'm also for the statement that coaches make great players. Coaches put great mm-hmm. players in the positions to make those plays. You know, if 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 a great coach is not out there helping the player read the game and understand the game and be better players then the players cannot reach their potential. They won't be as good as they could have been. You know, especially when you get to the top tier of these leagues and you get up to that top or upper echelon of players, the talent level is so close, you know, between between most of them that, you know, you need the manager to be the one to, to put them in the right spot to make the plays to succeed. And and so that's the thing in sports. I mean, you look at guys who won a lot of championships, you know, with guys like Joe Torrey, uh, you know, Phil Jackson, guys like that. You know, when you win all those championships, it, it it really speaks to their ability to get guys in the right spot to make the plays. I mean, you still need the talent. You know, you obviously can't do much without talent. But getting the most out of your players and getting the most out of your roster is what wins championships in sports. And, and great coaches are what makes that happen. Or what makes that happen? I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think managers are unappreciated in uh, the game of baseball because you don't you don't see them get as animated as uh, most sideline coaches in other sports. But, you know, like I, I always say, it's a thinking thinking man's game, and, and managers are one of the people who have to do the most in-game thought and have to stay 
cool, calm, and collected under most circumstances. And um, I, I appreciate the position, but I think some people don't, which uh, I'll probably end up doing a segment where we talk about some of the, the better managers um, in the future. But we'll give it some time because we don't know how the season's going to play out. And I don't want to. I don't want to put heap, heaps of uh, praise on somebody. They end up fired in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing but, about um, baseball. You know, guys, guys definitely. It, it, the, the owners are so fickle in baseball. They 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 want to win now. Um, you know, a lot of them just kind of shuffle through managers. And that, you see guys like Clint Hurdle, who was not great in in Colorado, go to a place like Pittsburgh where they let him. They let him mesh with the roster, and they let him mesh with the players, and and that's why you see, you know, he's one of the better managers in the game. You know, sometimes it it, it takes guys going through that learning experience of of a team shuffling through them, you know, like Clint Hurdle, to to become a better manager. Yeah, and and that was something they covered um, on some of the live feeds as well. A lot of people don't realize Clint Hurdle uh, used to be the manager for the Rockies. They just think he just came out of nowhere. Because he wasn't as successful uh, in Colorado as he is uh, in Pittsburgh right now, but um, it's it's they go through uh, through situations too. Like we were talking about a change of scenery with players. Sometimes it works for managers as well when they get an organization that will back them, uh, support some of the things that they want to do, and allow them to have the freedom to to move players around and do what they want and make the right decisions. So. Um, <clears throat> We've got we've got organizations that kind of look down on their managers over their shoulders, uh, kind of like Jerry Jones does uh, with the Cowboy coaches sometimes. Um, but we've also got organizations that just give you the check and we oh, excuse me, and, and pass this out to somebody and we don't want anything to do with it. You just win us games. And um, I feel like some people can handle that. Some people can't. But um, the the organizations and coaches who are managers who have a good balance uh, between the, the front office and the guys on the field tend to be the most successful. And um, that's just something that probably goes without being said. But I just wanted to put it out there. If, behind every good manager is usually a good owner. So definitely keep a good an eye on manager. that. I mean, a good, you know, good general manager for sure, too, definitely helps. Uh, you know, general yeah. managers don't get as much love in baseball as they as they really should. Uh you know, I don't think I can name more than two. You know, I think I can name another one besides Theo Epstein and and uh, Brian Cashman. Cashman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, I'd name another one. You know, you can name a, yeah. a ton of NFL GMs. They get all NFL GMs get all the pub. But these, I mean, the MLB general managers definitely definitely are the ones you know calling shots. I mean, the owners spend the money, but the general managers are, are definitely in there making the shots as well. Yep. But um. We we had a brief show tonight. I'm not gonna like I said I wasn't gonna keep everybody long. There are a couple subjects that I wanted to touch on, but we'll save them for the next episode. Uh, we'll talk about the instant replay rules, uh, the pros and cons of that. Uh, we'll talk about the impact of the shift on uh, Major League Baseball and how, in my opinion, uh, the shift is becoming somewhat obsolete or less um, less. Uh, I mean, I right say, we, can, we can run one more topic, you know. I got, I got another ten, fifteen minutes, to, you know. If it's okay. going to be on, we can run one more topic. All right, I'll run one more then. Um, I actually had like we'll just touch the instant replay. Uh, instant replay is still fairly a new concept in baseball. Um, we know it took a couple a couple seasons for the NFL to get it right. It took uh, probably one or two seasons for uh, NBA to get it right. 
I don't know if you've watched uh, a lot of baseball games this year. I've I've caught as much as I can, and I have to say, instant replay to me is frustrating as a fan and is frustrating as a uh, former player. Uh, what do you view the pros and cons of instant replay, if any, and do you think that it's uh, still a useful tool for Major League Baseball? Uh, it, it, it is useful at, at times. I mean, you know, you want the games to be to be called correctly. At the end of the day, you know, we all want the team that was supposed to win to 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 win the game. Uh, you know, I, I just as a former player as well, you know, you kind of look at it as it slows down the game. Uh, you know, that's not something that you like. Um, I know the players aren't for it, but at the same time, I think. I think it's good for the game to get the calls right. Um, Major League Baseball caught, has caught so much scrutiny for, for you know, umpiring over the years. Uh, I honestly think instant replay is good for the game. Um, I just – I don't know if this system is, is right, you know. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, I, I, just, I was just trying to think of, of a way not to come off like, uh, you know, a lot of people – call us uh purists. Like I'm not against I'm not against instant replay. I'm not necessarily opposed to it slowing the game down as much as it does. Uh but what I don't like is how long it takes um in regards to them to come up with a decision on like there's somebody in New York apparently supposed to be telling them whether they're safe or out. I don't know what views they have in New York. Some of these plays shouldn't take as long as they do. So I feel like there's it should be a situation where you get no more than a minute to um to look at uh the instant replay and then if you can't come to a conclusion within a minute like a, a something beeps in your in your headphones or something you just have to call it for what it was the play stand. That's how I feel. I I think um it's kind of ruining the the live experience for uh fans and and even for players. Because like you said, it slows the game down a lot, and it's just weird to me. Like we spent what two, three years talking about how the game slowed down, and then all of a sudden we add in instant replay, and it slows the game down even more. <laughs> so it just seems kind of productive uh, to what baseball wanted to do to speed the game up, and that they have a clock apparently set for um, the coaches when they visit the mound. I think they only get thirty seconds. I think they should to add something to that nature for our instant replay, just to speed it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, you know, they definitely need to, to find some way. I mean, if it takes you that long to, to look at the call and make the call, you know, it, there definitely is reasonable doubt. Uh, you know, and I think we need to adopt, you know, something like the same with the NFL where where it needs to be either be very under reasonable doubt or you need to come out quickly and say, hey, it, you know, I can't tell, so I can't say – you know, that I can't overturn it, something like that. You know, that, that's I agree 100% that they need to maybe put a minute clock on it, something like that, where if they can't make a decision in a minute, the play stands. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit more research on, on the rules of that and uh, and see if we can't come up with, like, you know, a clear pros and cons sheet. Because I'm, I'm a little confused on, on some of the stipulations, too. And Major League Baseball, like, they're trying their hardest. To, to be to be hip to be um, modernized, but it's not very clear. Um, even with the rules at the plate, still is not very clear. 
um, exactly how you call it. How do you call it? How do you call the guy out? How do you call the guy safe? But the instant replay is like, when do you use it? When can you not use it? I saw I saw a game where a guy a manager ran out of replays, and I think um, he he had some stipulation where he somehow got them to to review something, and then while they were reviewing uh, what he was complaining about, they saw that they had missed the call and they corrected it. And I'm against that. Like you can't do that. <laughs> you know when things like that happen, and we know how animated our managers and players can get. Like it's just it just looks bad. So um, I think uh, Major League Baseball should definitely continue to take the initiative to modernize it, but it's, it's got to be polished. And I would like it to happen sooner than later because I don't want you know playoffs to come around and we got situations like uh, in Arizona where a guy balked and then they change the call and then they look at the replay and then they reverse it again and, and then they reverse the reverse. I'm like, what is this? It's, it's crazy. It just kind of looks crazy. It almost looks to the point like the umpires don't know what they're doing, and I don't think that's a good, you know, that's not a good position that baseball wants to be in when we're talking about the umpiring crew. I agree 100%. Uh, I don't think, you know, that's, that's the place baseball wants to be. Like they've caught so much flack for officiating. Uh, but it takes time to get right. You know, that's the thing that they were, like you said, it took the NFL time, it took the, it took the NBA time. You know, it, it takes time to get it right. Uh, I think eventually they will get it right. But for for right now, you know, this is the system that we have. Uh, and I think, I think you know, as the year goes on, like I said, I hope, I hope by the playoff time, you know, the, the officials have have kind of had some time to, to get their feet wet with the system and, and learn, you know, what they're, how to make the calls and what calls they need to make and, and that they need to make the calls quicker, you know. That, that the more they see these calls, the more they get the same types of calls, you know, that they're that they're being asked to make. Uh, I, I think it'll it'll get easier for them, you know, kind of the same way with the NFL. I mean, there's only so many challengeable plays. Um, there's only so many plays that that you know types of plays that would be challenged in a game. Uh, and so, you know, I think I think as they see those plays more often, they're they're going to be able to to call them quicker. Yeah, I I agree, definitely. Um, so anybody listening, if you're as frustrated as, as we are at times, just give it some time. Um, hopefully Major League Baseball can get it fixed uh sooner than later. And like I said, they've been very they've been very good at, at trying to modernize the sport, speed up the sport and stuff, so I'm I'm hundred percent sure they're gonna address it uh eventually. But um moving forward, uh we talked about a lot of National League stuff today. Um, which I remember last year we were trying to make a National League show, an American League show. So I might continue to do that. Maybe next week we'll cover uh, more American League than we did this week. Uh, the matchups for this week that I was going to highlight for people to watch happened to be American League games as well. Um, the one key matchup, I think, is the White Sox at Toronto playing the Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays are, are warming up right now. Those bats are rolling. Donaldson. Uh, Batista and Carnacion and Tula Whiskey are lighting it up, and they even got a um, a new weapon in their leadoff in uh, Carrera, who I don't know where he came from, <laughs> but uh, the guy the guy had four to five hits I think in the last two games, um, and I think he's got a home a couple home runs. He's making plays in the outfield, so they they had an original left fielder. I think his name was Michael Saunders, 
and I think he got tired or hurt himself, and they put in Carrera, and he just the guy's just hot. So now they're running with the hot bat. And I don't think Saunders is going to ever get his position back. So um, that makes for exciting baseball because now they have a leadoff who can get on base, and you got Donaldson, uh, Batista, Encarnacion, two Lewiski behind you. You're talking about a combination of at least at least 120 home runs at any given time <laughs> in a year. So. Um, <laughs> and probably I'm at least 350 to 400 RBIs at minimum. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, those guys so are moving I'm, guys around the bases. Uh, and yep. like you said, I mean, when you get it, when you get a guy in the in the one hole who's who's able to get get on base three, four times a game, you know, obviously that that's tough to do all season long. But even if he can get on base once or twice every game, you know, they're gonna mm-hmm. move him around. He's gonna score runs, and it just completely helps their offense. Yep. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do um, against a uh, hot White Sox team who I think is it's a good test for them early in the season on the road to kind of gauge how well they're playing right now. Uh, the next game I wanted to highlight was uh, the Yankees against the Rangers. Um, you can catch that on ESPN, actually. Tomorrow night, um, the first game will be on um, ESPN's Monday Night Baseball is what they're doing now. But uh, Evaldi's pitching for the Yankees. I don't think he's ever had a boring game in his life. Uh, the guy throws about a <laughs> hundred, and he's got a slider that's like in the mid nineties. Uh, he's, he's got he's got the stereotypical good stuff, but for some reason he just gets hit. So you're probably looking at he can't at a, strike uh, people out. He gets hit. Yeah, he can't strike yeah. even when he doesn't get hit. He's not striking people out. Uh, I mean, the, like you said, he has the stuff. You, know, you 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 watch him pitch, and you're like, damn, he's hitting 98, 99, 100 miles an hour. You know, and like yeah. you said, his slider's coming at 91, 92 miles an hour. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 dude can can bring it with the stuff. But like you said, he, I think it has to do with pitch placement. You know, he he, he doesn't have great control. Uh, he leaves a lot of balls over the plate. Uh, he leaves a ball, there's a lot of balls in the zone. You know, right right in the hitter zone where guys can just kind of guess on it and say, you know, if it's in this area, there's a lot of major league pitching, you know, it does come down to guesswork sometimes for hitters. Um, you know, you're sitting on pitches, you're waiting on pitches. And so when you get that fastball that comes in, you know, where the pitcher wants it, where the, where the batter wants it, you know, like I said, that's where, he's, that's where he tends to get hit. Yeah, and, and it's, it's uh, one of those things where, the velocity is so great, it has no place to go but out. Sometimes, uh, you got a guy throwing 100 miles an hour. So all you got, all you got to do is just put a solid swing on it and um, put it in play, and anything can happen. But the Yankees, to me, are an entertaining team. Um, they don't have many boring games, um, whether it be because of how they play or because the people who are playing them, like the Athletics, the Athletic series. Um, I thought it would have been a tad bit boring, but it was very entertaining. The Athletics came to play. And the Yankees didn't back down. Uh, they just got mollywhopped by the Rays, I think, yesterday or maybe it was today. Um, but I haven't seen them have consistently uh, bad games back-to-back as far as blowouts go. Their bats are not necessarily hitting with runners in scoring position, but that's been the Yankees' problem for the last two years. So um, I think this series is going to be um, entertaining. Uh, also because the Rangers have one of the – the more promising uh, rookies. I cannot get his name right, uh, but he plays right field, um, and I think he's Dominican, and he just came up 
uh, probably last week or the week before. But the guy's robbing home runs. He's got good defense. He puts the ball in play. He can hit for power. He can place it. Uh, good, strong lefty. And um, I'm really excited to see if he's going to stay out there um, when when uh, Chu gets healthy. Because like I said uh, in the first episode, um, you wasn't on here, Brian, but I said in the first episode that the Rangers have one of the most promising Major League Baseball-ready farm systems right now in baseball, man. Like, they've got guys they can call up that can make an instant impact. And it's just a matter of when um, they call them up as to whether or not they really want to, you know, put their best foot forward this year because they're going be, to be a tough team in the next two years easily. I mean, the Rangers definitely have a lot of talent. Um, you, you, you said the, the guy they called up, they called up this past week. Um, we got like Joey Gallo last year, you know, who was just tearing it up when they called him up. Um, <laughs> they've definitely got a, a whole bunch of young talent down there in Texas. Uh, it's just like you said, you know, they, they've invested a lot of money in some of these some of these other guys who are starting for them now. Uh, and and do they want to just give up on that? You know, do they want to give up on on all this money they've invested into these guys, and, and kind of go with this young farm system? And eventually, they're going to have to. Uh, you know, but do they want to do it this year or next year? It kind of all depends. But you're right. Eventually, this Ranger team is going to be scary. Yep, and and that's going to be bad news for um, <laughs> the other team in Texas, which is uh, the uh, Houston Astros, because they're young and they they're just not fully clicking yet, but they're getting there. Their pitching isn't that great, though, and, and I think the Rangers have the advantage in the pitching and the more consistent bat. So they'll make for great baseball down the stretch, too. But for right now, Yankees versus Rangers next week. Uh, White Sox versus Blue Jays should be your two most entertaining series. Uh, but tune in next week. We'll have uh, more talk about the shifts. Uh, we might get into a little bit more deeper stats for some of you nerds. Um, we'll even do a uh, Trout versus Harper debate. I know everybody wants to know um, what people think, who's better. Um, you might be disappointed to find out that me and me and Brian both probably are going to side with Trout based on advanced stats. But I'll do my best to uh, make a case for Bryce Harper as well. <laughs> um, but uh, if you guys have any ideas for anything we should talk about next week, by all means, hit me up on Facebook. Uh, continue to support baseball in um, IBN. I think we're we're finally making waves. We got about 15 guys that are consistent posters on baseball now, which is a lot compared to what we used to have. And we will continue to bring you guys the full count each week. Yeah, definitely. I'm here for it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited about the show. I'm excited about you know the way baseball is going. I mean, baseball is growing a lot. Uh, you know, like you said the youth movement is real. Um, people just have to look for it. You know. A lot of these, a lot of these guys aren't the ones who are getting the pub on on ESPN, um, but but they're some of the more exciting players in the game. They're some of the reasons why people who really love baseball love baseball. You know, they're some of the guys who bring some of that passion back to the game and and are really are really like I said, we, you know, it, 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 there's been a shift, uh, and you can really see it in this youth movement uh, since the steroid era. You know, so as a lot of these steroid era guys start to fade away. Um, you're seeing a bunch of guys who have shifted the style of the game of baseball back to the way it was played, you know, before the steroid era. Uh, and and so they're just a totally different type of player coming up. And, and so, like you said, it makes for 
it makes for a good contrast between the veterans and the younger players. And they, but the, the youth movement's definitely real. Uh, and the, a lot, you know, people just need to need to turn on TV and and watch some of these games we're talking about and and check some of these guys out. I agree. I agree. So um, you can always find me and Malone on IBN or Iconically Bombastic Sports on Facebook. Um, I am also on Twitter at ActivelyLazy85 um, or the Diabolical Hater, whichever one you want to look up. I used to be IBS Eases, but I changed it. I might change it back. <laughs> but um, I'm going through some phases with my name right now. Me and Kanye are not best friends. But, uh, <laughs> again, there's always <laughs> there's always a way to find me. Um, and, and we want to make the show better, so we'll we'll add in callers uh, probably within the next couple of weeks as well, and uh, continue to support this the group. And we're out. Yep, yep. I agree. I agree. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, you too.